I don't actually don't share this with anybody. You guys want to hear something interesting? Yeah. This is good. So I, my thing that I watch pregame, I don't listen to music. I am inspired by watching. This week on the Colin and Samir podcast, we're really excited to have our good friend Kyle Harrison joining us. Kyle is a professional lacrosse player that Colin and I both looked up to when we were young lacrosse players. As most of you probably know, Colin and I both grew up playing lacrosse. And as we grew our first company, the Lacrosse Network, we actually got to make videos with Kyle. And through that process, we became really close friends. One thing that we talk about on this podcast is that Kyle is actually the reason we got into vlogging. We cover that story on the earlier side of the podcast, as well as a bunch of other topics in this episode, including how to manage your content as a professional athlete, how to build trust with someone that you want to film, like we did with Kyle, balancing family life and brand building, LeBron versus MJ, and race in the sport of lacrosse. Now, in this episode, we definitely dive into some topics that are specific to lacrosse. But even if you're not familiar with the sport, I think this conversation is valuable to anyone who is interested in content creation and brand building. Athletes have always fascinated us with their ability to build long-lasting brands, and Kyle is someone who's been building his brand since before the age of social media. All right, that's enough for the intro. Enjoy our conversation with professional lacrosse player and our close friend, Kyle Harrison. Welcome to another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast. We're here in the Pacific Palisades, which is where I grew up, and we're sitting here with Kyle Harrison. Hi. What's happening, Kyle? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. <laughs> so one thing that I think is really interesting that I wanted to bring up, and I thought about it on the way over here, was that when I was younger and I lived at my parents' house here in the Palisades, I had magazine cutouts of you on the wall. I appreciate that. Which is kind of crazy to like you know, get to the point where you're just sitting and you're be, become friends with, you know, someone that you looked up to as a kid. That's really nice. Of you. I appreciate that. So I think that's like a really cool thing to think about. I used to wear your like pads when I played lacrosse. It was just like someone I was like, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, man, I, I appreciate it. I Too think. much, apparently. No, 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 no. That's that's awesome. I think as I've gotten older uh, and I get to meet people that that say that that's that's something i could have never dreamed of that's I mean, cool i'm pretty sure i was at your first professional game with the new jersey pride they did like an exhibition game mm-hmm. uh before the league actually got started Rutgers at Rutgers. sure i was there sure well i appreciate that did you cheer yeah of course did you call for my name did you high five probably i was bump? like 12 13 at the time i used your equipment sure. yeah sure well, i appreciate that those were those were the glory days and look at us now friends yeah friends yeah, absolutely <laughs> So we've known each other for a long time. And yeah. something that I'm not positive that you know, mm-hmm. but Colin and I were talking about this yesterday. It's because of you that we entered into vlogging. So Give me more. I did not know that. So I the to... first series, and I'll let Colin talk about this, but the first series where we were ever like vlogging yeah. was Colin and Kyle. Uh... And so, so just for reference, years ago, we did a campaign or got involved with Canon as they were releasing a new camera. It's something you can see on our channel pretty often. It's like a little credit card sized yeah. camera that flips up. It's called the Canon Vixia Mini X. And the goal was to create some sort of like vlog experience that was unique. And we were creating content in lacrosse and we thought it would be cool to follow you around. Yeah. But, you know, what I think we realized quickly was the camera was really meant to film, you know, yourself and Colin was our primary filmer. And so the show turned into Colin and Kyle. Yeah. Uh, not just about you going yeah. and playing professional games. So I think that's a really interesting thing that maybe I you had, didn't know. No, I had That no, was our I, first vlog series. No, that was incredible. I was, that series for me was, well, my first, 
I guess, series that I was like on camera talking, like showing that part of my life. And it was, I was comfortable with you all. So it was cool. But I, I didn't even think through the fact that that was, that was the entrance into the vlogging world for you all. I feel like I brought a lot of your personality out. Yeah. Right. No, dude. So I, again, I, I'm, uh, I think that's actually a flaw of mine when it comes to this space and sharing is I, I don't think through, I guess like, Oh, I don't want them to see that part of me. I just gen generally like don't, do it all, right? And I think with you, it was it was different. The funny thing about that trip was the camera was so wide that I was using <laughs> that I think I realized too. I was like, wait, I'm always in the shot. And I was saying things that you like, and I say this comedically, but like things that you took issue with. Yeah, sure. You know, like sure. I would say things that you maybe thought were like lame or nerdy and you would just be like, no. Yeah, come on. absolutely. No. It was good. Yeah. It was my it was my first run at two, man. It was yeah. awesome. So we ended up doing four episodes. Yep. Originally, I was just traveling around with you to the playoffs and yep. different games. And then we did two more episodes, you, one where I go surfing. surfing. Mm -hmm. Yep, I caught a wave. You did. I was proud of you. That yeah. was awesome. But that was really fun for us. And it was one of the first times that we actually started vlogging um, and opening up a little bit more yeah. on camera. Yeah, that was awesome. So I wanted to ask you, this is, I think, something if anyone wants to create content, like, you know, again, you have the context now that I was, you know, I grew up a huge fan of mm -hmm. yours. Um, you were a, a, and are a very prominent professional player in our mm -hmm. sport. How did we gain your trust? to the point that you were willing to be on camera with us. Yeah. Because I do remember that there was a time where I think we were filming with you and there was like a helmet cam video. And initially you were like, I don't know about that yeah. guys. That's not my brand or yeah. that's not, that's yeah, not yeah. me. How did we eventually gain your trust and, and why did you open up with us on camera? Yeah. So I think, it, I think it was, it was a few things, right? I think um, for me and correct me if my, my timeline's off here, but I think the, the first thing we did together before the helmet cam was like the how to instructional. Yeah. Like yep. the how to dodge as a midfielder at that field in San Diego. And I think there for, for me, again, I, I was a novice to speaking on camera um, and understanding that people are going to judge it and all, all the things you worry about when you're putting yourself out there for you all. Um, you instantly made me feel comfortable. One, uh, you were authentic and you knew the game too, right? I think I've, I've been in situations years ago with people that didn't know my sport, but that were trying to have me do all these things that, you know, generally aren't really something a lacrosse player would do. So you guys knew the sport. So you'd never put me in a situation that like, I'd be worried that it wasn't authentic to my game. Um, and so from there, man, I just, trusted you just went for it mm. like I, I feel like if it was bad it was just as much on you as it was on me sure. right yeah uh, and so I think from the helmet cam we went into that and I think that was probably for me the first time that my personality like started to come out a little bit because it was just me interacting with teammates and whatever yeah. um and then from there man I mean I, I trusted you guys and just to give some reference that that th these videos we were making were in 2012 yeah so this is yeah. we're talking about six years ago yeah. where you know athlete content on YouTube or athlete content that was out there. A yep. lot of times it was, it was like sensational and yep. kind of cool yep. and a little bit more less raw, funny yep. um, personality. So it, it was pretty different to be just creating and like opening up personality wise there. But a couple of things that you just said that are really interesting. One is, um, you know, Colin and I talk a lot about documentary filmmaking. We, that's like one of our big goals. We mm. want to make a documentary what are the things that are really important in documentary filmmaking? It's, it's access and trust. Um, so like, do, do we have access to the subject or to the situation? Mm -hmm. And then do they trust us enough to actually just be natural in that environment? Right. You've shot with a lot of different people. You shoot with Uninterrupted, mm -hmm. um, which is LeBron James mm -hmm. here in LA. What have been some different other content experiences that you've had? Um, yeah. Like, I mean, you've produced a lot recently. Yeah. Like, 
tell us about some of the other stuff you've done since then. Yeah. Um, since 2012, you know, being an athlete now kind of means being an entertainer and yeah. being in the content space. So, yeah, I mean, it's been tough. I, I think, you know, obviously my partners and, and sponsors that I work with at STX, I film a lot of content with them. I think we shot a series. Um, was it last year? Maybe 20. Yeah. 2017. I, I got surgery. And uh, I think it actually probably had a lot to do with my relationship with you all that I was even comfortable enough to do this. But we shot a series called The Road Back, and it was just like it literally took you through me finding out I had to get surgery to the operating room, to the recovery process, to like my house with my kids and my wife, which is something like I never show. Um, and it, it's just for me, the beginning with you all getting comfortable, trusting. Uh, I've just tried to do that with everybody else that, that I've created content with and I've developed a great relationship with our, our content creator at STX. So we have a great rapport, she and I, but everybody else, man, it, it, it takes time, right? Like you don't just instantly, I guess theoretically you could instantly feel it with somebody, but for me, like it takes time. And, um, the stuff I'm shooting, you know, now with whether it's Katie DeFeo or uninterrupted, whatever it is, I just try and be as authentic and true, uh, to myself as possible while filming it. Because I think when you're fake, that that's, you guys know how that goes like that. You can see that. Um, and so, but the trust thing's tough. I, I completely admit, like I very rarely show my family and that's all based on trusting how it's going to be perceived and then how, like how it's filmed. Right. Like I, with you all, if you guys came over and you said, we want to shoot some series with you moving back to Maryland, we want the kids and want the wife. And I would say, fine, no, not a big deal. Cause I know I can trust how you all are going to do it. But with, with other folks, it just, uh, it takes time to build that trust. Are there any athletes that you are currently watching and following that you think do it really well? In terms of what? When you say do it well, just like content? just yeah, control their own content, control yeah, their own narrative. Man, I mean, obviously, just being that you are an athlete and you understand what it's like yeah. to really be in control of your own narrative and yeah. have to have to be an entertainer. I like how LeBron does it. I mean, I've, you're talking about the top, right? Yeah. Uh, he's he's at the top of the game, and and I think he does it really well in terms of. I mean, his family's in a lot of his stuff. He's always at his son's basketball games. Um, he's always on vacation. Uh, he does a really good job giving access because at the end of the day, that that's what the curiosity is even for me as a fellow mm -hmm. athlete like I want to see what he's doing on vacation I want to see where they are I want to see what he's training um and so that stuff's interesting and the stuff he gives you access to uh, I love Will Smith stuff right now like obsessed with his YouTube channel um obsessed with his Instagram I, I love so good yeah dude I'm always interested you guys obviously know more about this than I do but I'm always interested so when we film a long video right like and he does a great job of this you film like like his freestyle I don't know a couple weeks ago it was like a three minute video on YouTube and the clip that he put on Instagram was like perfect in terms of like, I needed to see the rest of the three minutes and I mm -hmm. can never do that. Right. Like when we have a long video, I can never pick the right clip that makes you like as a fan or as a viewer engage. Like I have to go see the rest of that. And he does a, every video he posts. I have to go to his YouTube channel to see the rest of it because I, it's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, he, from the beginning, which isn't that long ago, I mean, Will sure. Smith just started a YouTube channel this year, just right. started out on Instagram has a huge following. Mm -hmm. He has been incredibly strategic in right. everything that he has done. Right. And he has a great team around him. You yeah. can tell there is a full operation oh, yeah, around Will Smith. Absolutely. So you as an athlete, do you have like, what does your team look like around you? I don't really have one, you know, like, and I think that's the interesting part maybe about our sport and our space is that, you know, I know there are a few guys that have, have teams or are like the, you know, I know miles, Rob, we got guys that like just started their own YouTube channel and are vlogging and, and doing, doing it themselves. But for me between STX, you know, uninterrupted, um, and working on different individual projects, like I have 
folks at each spot that I work with, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't have my own personal team. Like when it comes to my social media, my social channels, what goes up there, like I'm managing all of that. Um, but yeah, no, no team over here. So I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. I mean, I, yeah. I definitely can relate to that. Yeah. Understanding that it's all on me. How, yeah. how do you manage that and make sure that you're posting consistently, telling the same narrative? How yeah. do you keep on top of that? Considering also like you're a father, you're a professional athlete, yeah. you, you have a lot of business ventures. Yeah. How do you maintain that consistency and, and tell a story? Well, I think, again, that's stuff I learned from you all. It's You're, you're telling the story of your life, right? Like I, it's, it's not fabricated. I don't have to wake up and think through like, okay, what can I come up with? To, like, you're literally sharing your life with people, right? And, and I think for me, um, I'm lucky with all the partners and sponsors I have that like content-wise, you know, we generate it every week. So that, that part's easy. But when it comes to, you know, what to post, how to manage all your time, I think if you're authentic, like, I don't want to say it's easy because that, that's an overstatement, but like it comes naturally. Like, and if there's ever a point where like it doesn't, it might be time to start thinking through like what, what's the next step, you know, like for, for now content, um, consistently posting on every, whatever channel it is, whatever medium, Instagram, YouTube, whatever, um, come comes relatively naturally. But when, when it doesn't, it might be time to move on. So when you were growing up playing, you know, high school sports, mm -hmm. um, you, you're a multi-sport athlete, mm -hmm. played lacrosse, mm -hmm. played soccer, basketball, basketball. Soccer, yeah. mm -hmm. So, there wasn't as much access to athletes as there is today, right? Like athletes today are, are much more in the, uh, a part of the social conversation, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, even LeBron, I think mm -hmm. is, is an amazing example of that. Um, which athletes did you look up to when you were younger and mm -hmm. how, how did you like, how did you get access to them or what, what was yeah. your interaction? With no, them? you nail on the head, man. It's different now, right? Like it's, it's, you can actually, you know, my nephew, um, my nieces, like they can look up to a Serena Williams and a LeBron James for what they do on the court. But then these these people are active, right? Like they have opinions. They're socially aware. They're standing up for things. Whereas and you can see it like you can go to Instagram right now and look at what they're supporting and what they're talking about. Um, whereas when I was growing up, they, you didn't have that. Right. Like, I, I mean, I was a huge Michael Jordan fan, um, but I. You know, back then there, I couldn't go follow Michael on Instagram right. or YouTube or whatever. Like I didn't really know what he was doing. All you had was Space Jam, right? You, you had yeah. Space, which was great, which, yeah. which great was great film. I support Honestly, it. Yeah. one of the best films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I no, was I mean, you ha you obviously had a lot more. But one thing I think is awesome now is that Michael Jordan, like these these athletes from you know back then, they, yeah. they still exist now because. When I was playing um, college lacrosse and I was, you know, YouTube was just starting out kind of, yep. just watch Michael Jordan highlight reels. And I was like, wait a second. I knew he was good, right, but, but I didn't get to watch all this yep. stuff. And now I get to like go yep. back and have some access to it. What's crazy to think about though is like how cool it would have been to see Michael Jordan like at home vlogging and just being like, hey, this is what I'm into. It would have been incredible. That would have been so Absolutely cool. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, we all, I, I mean, I we're living now. through it now though. We're yes. living through it now. Like yes. We get to watch LeBron yep. James. Yep. We get to see him do stuff. The crazy thing about LeBron, and I bring him up, you know, because yep. right now he's hyper-topical. Yep. A, he's moving to L.A. Sure. Big Lakers guy. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm, I'm pretty excited we about almost that. Got a, we were shopping the other day. Got you almost jersey. got a jersey? We were close. We were close. We felt, like only, be, we felt like it was early. Like, I don't want to yeah. – or, or is, it, is it better to do it early? Like, you just got I, traded. Only jersey. jerseys that I have from the Lakers. Sure. Nick Van Exel. Interesting. And Kobe Bryant rookie year. Ooh, number that's eight. A good, that's a good jersey. Number eight. Such a good you jersey. It. Uh, it's very small, uh -oh. um, but I just don't want to give it up. Sure. No, yeah. no, nor should you. Nor um, should. Literally looked up a LeBron jersey last night. Ooh. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm going to get it. I mean, 
Oh, uh-oh. I'm go ready on. to go. I'm going to make oh, I thought, Okay, I thought there was another one. You're no, like, no, no, I'm just, I'm ready. I'll say. He was going to go two. Yeah, yeah so I was going to get an alternate as well. That's what I was prepared for That's That's maybe down the line, but that's too much. Alternate guy. Yeah, but you know what's interesting is that you can be a LeBron fan now and potentially not ever watch him play basketball, but you can just like what he stands for. 100%. There, I bet you, know, I I bet you there's, a ton. there's tons yeah, of those. There's a yeah. ton of that. Absolutely. Which is amazing to think about now and, and such a cool opportunity where the playing field, I think social media really leveled out the playing field 100%. for like public figure, mm-hmm. right? Because you could be someone just who likes to make videos, uh, like good at editing videos, mm-hmm. or you could be an athlete and you guys could be on the same level from like a public figure 100%. standpoint. That's, I, mean, I mean, on a, on a smaller scale, that's this, right? Yeah. Right. You guys are... Just as big, if not bigger than anyone in lacrosse, right? Just from sure. with the content you create. And yep. I mean, it's it's living example of it. <laughs> okay. I just wasn't prepared for you to compliment us. Uh. <laughs> well, you know, I like you guys sometimes. Um, okay. So you've been through the process of being a professional athlete yeah. pre-social media. Sure. Um, and then came into the social media uh, space. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about which platform you really took to. Yeah. Because I know we've had some funny conversations around Snapchat when yeah. that came out. Oof. You know what I mean? So yeah. like Twitter, Instagram, yeah. YouTube. Um, we, we've talked about a yeah. lot of these over the years. Sure. So I'm just curious, like, which one have you taken to? What's your favorite platform out yeah. of all those? So my favorite platform is Instagram. Um, just I, I think it's the easiest. I like I like the pic- I like pictures. I like uh, interaction. I think the comments are hilarious. Like I, I just Instagram for me is, is by far my favorite. I will say for me with social media, um, I think one thing I did well from the beginning, which I didn't there was no plan with this. Uh, but I remember graduating uh, and I got Facebook after graduation. Like I didn't have Facebook in college. Um, and so I got Facebook like a month after graduating after that, like national championship run, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like. I got just inundated with messages on Facebook. So literally every day I would take three hours and just try and respond to every message possible. Uh, and just like, thanks for the sport, whatever, like just every single message. And so because of that, like fast forward to now, I have like this, this support system of people that are like rocked with me from the beginning that like now have kids and like, yo, you we used to talk on Facebook. Like, I'm so happy to keep watching Like, so it's like, a, been really cool for me to connect with obviously the new generation of athletes and players and lacrosse fans. That's been really cool. But you know, just as cool as like the people from 15 years ago, um, that I connected with on Facebook that like, you know, are still reaching out. So Instagram is my favorite, uh, Twitter. I, I, I pump fake on Twitter a fair amount. I'm, just, I'm never sure what to write. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I don't, I don't like the connecting of Instagram and Twitter. Like I don't do that. Like when I post no. something, it just automatically pops up to Twitter. I almost feel like different stuff should live there. I think just knowing you, if I were to guess, I would have said Twitter is your like number one space. Cause you have such good one liner and thoughts. Oh yeah. I was just going to say you Twitter, I mean? allow, like, Twitter allows me to take swings at people yes, for sure. I, love <laughs> yeah, like, I, love that. I was going to say, I think you have a lot to say. Yeah. Twitter, Twitter. You have a lot to, to say to me. <laughs> I have a lot to say to you. I have a lot to say to, you know, who else I, I get after a RJ, a fair amount mm-hmm. with his shoe and sock uh, situation. Um, Tom Schreiber, I'll go at a fair amount. But Twitter allows me to, to do the one-liners and come at people. But Instagram's like my favorite place to post. So what about YouTube and Snapchat? <clears throat> let's talk. Maybe let's talk about Snapchat first. I don't when, know if when Snap, that... my Snapchat story is podcast friendly. Um, so I, I didn't use Snapchat personally. But basically, long story short, your Snapchat story is that... Came and went. Came and went. You got Snapchat you were getting way too many inbound messages. Well, yeah, hold Sim- on. Similar to like the Facebook story. Let's, let's explain it though. I don't worry. I won't go into details okay. and ruin everybody's Got day. Yeah, um, yeah. But basically I didn't, because I don't use Snapchat personally, I didn't understand that 
you can just post a story because keep in mind this is before Instagram stories were yeah. a thing. So now I know what a story is, obviously. But this, you know, rewind back, I didn't know what a story was. So anybody yep. that added me on Snapchat or snapped me, I was snapping them right back. So I was like going back and forth with hundreds of people on a yeah. daily basis. And then I started receiving some questionable um, photographs and, and moved on pretty yeah, quickly. Then. And that's understandable, sure. especially when Snapchat first came out. And yeah. it still is mainly like a messaging app. Sure, sure. it's transformed into more of like sure. a Instagram stories. It's an entertainment platform. But sure. especially when it launched, when you first got it, yeah. it was a platform to message your friends. Right. So Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been back on the of app course. since that came incident. And went. Sure. Came and went. Sure. All right, so what about YouTube then? You know, YouTube for me is interesting. You guys, you guys really helped me out. Um, at the beginning, I had a YouTube channel and I had all this content that... Um, I created years ago that didn't have a place to live. So I think at the beginning we were grabbing some of that and putting it onto my YouTube channel. I think where I have run into issues um, with consistency on my YouTube channel is the content and how interesting is it, right? Like it, I, I'm not having these three to five uh, minute, you know, um, docu-series type thing. Like the, like the road back was great. Like I just talked about that lived on the STX YouTube channel. Um, you know, I did stuff with Uninterrupted that has lived on their YouTube channel. But me personally, I don't think I'm creating enough content uh, at the correct length to live on YouTube. Like I create, I create a lot of 60 second type videos. And I mean, you guys know more than I do. I don't know if that should live on YouTube. I think it's probably not that the content isn't interesting. Right. It's just that the ease of production with YouTube is sure. a lot more difficult. The, right. the series that you mentioned, The Road Back, the yeah. one with Uninterrupted, yeah. you had a team for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Sure. So yeah. I think that's the thing. And, and that's the struggle for most people is that you have a lot going on. You're yeah. not also going to be holding the camera, sitting and yeah, editing yeah. for four to five hours. Yeah. Instagram, if you yep. look at it, has every tool that you need, and the audience doesn't expect you to put out a five-minute, well-edited yep. piece. Yep. Six seconds can do the job just yep. fine on Instagram. Yep, that's a good point. Yeah, the, the thing about YouTube is that the investment on YouTube is incredibly high. Yeah. And the return is a long game. Yeah. It takes a very long time sure. um, to get a return on your investment on YouTube. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the stuff you shoot is with your phone, correct? Yep. yep. So I have some camera. You sent me some camera I bought uh, a couple months ago. I think uh, that might have been me. One of you two. Was yeah. it in our group chat? No. Oh, yeah. I think that was a one-on-one, potentially. Oh, sure. I feel like yeah. you and I had a conversation. I have some camera that I use every yeah. now and then. But again, you know, you're right. It's the investment of time. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. have that at the Here, moment. Here's the interesting thing that has happened. And I, my, my family's in the clothing business. Sure. And I think it's interesting across any industry um, but all of a sudden we enter a space, you know, as of the past couple years where in any industry, if you have a brand or a company, you are immediately required now to become an entertainment company. Right. That was never a thing. No, you didn't, you, you never had to just create entertainment. Sure. And, sure. and now, you know, you talked about Will Smith. Mm -hmm. Now, Will Smith is a massive movie star. So right. obviously he's going to gain traction. Right. But the reality is he's a great writer yeah. and a phenomenal storyteller. And when you can do stuff like that, now you, he can run his own entertainment platform. He essentially has his own TV channel, right? right. We're talking about views in the millions. Uh, on his Instagram, we're talking about 12 million right. sometimes views on a video. Um, that's a TV network. He runs his own yeah, network, that's right? That's ridiculous. And so when you start thinking about yourself as a network, yep. it, it can either be really exciting or super overwhelming. Because it's like, what do I talk about? How do I write? I'm not a writer. You know what? How do I write my own story? Yeah, this is stressing me out. <laughs> just, 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 just sitting here listening to you talk about it, it's stressing me out. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's no, interesting. It's the truth. So, it's the truth. Yeah. I do want to talk now about lacrosse specifically. Oh. This is a sport that we, you know, we, we've all come from, Colin and I. This is, 
This is how we got into film was through lacrosse. One thing that's interesting, we talk about this all the time, is that when you take a step back, lacrosse is almost mirroring skateboarding right now in that pro players are rolling around with filmmakers. That's kind of new, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know that there's many other sports, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't see it as much in other sports where there's like young, college-aged filmmakers rolling around with pros cranking out content for them. Yeah, no, no. So it's new, but I think at the same time, it, it's uh, just the product of where the space is, right? Like I think lacrosse is at a point where our media coverage, our um, TV distribution, all that stuff, like you don't get to see what Paul is eating or what he wore to the game or what Miles is rocking to the game. Like all the things that come very naturally in other sports just because how big they are. Like you can see what LeBron, Steph, Clay, what they all wore to the game or what they're doing that night, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas in our sport, we're not on ESPN every day. So um, as, as we all grow and learn and get more comfortable creating content, I think it's clear that like if you want to have a real shot at creating a brand and longevity within the professional lacrosse space, like you have to go this direction. Um, and, and I think giving lacrosse fans access to your training, what you're eating, uh, your photo shoot with your sponsors, your travel day, whatever it is, all stuff that is relatively natural and covered in every other sport. Like you have to generate that content yourself. So yeah, no, it's, it's certainly new, but if, if you're serious about staying within the professional lacrosse space for a long time, like you, you don't have a choice. I think it's resulted in a really passionate group of lacrosse fans. Like obviously lacrosse, not the biggest sport, smaller than basketball and football, mm-hmm. but similar to skateboarding, who provided its own media coverage because it's an underserved market, because the media came from within the community, you now have an extremely passionate group of people, right? Like these filmers who are getting involved are there because they absolutely love this sport and they want to be ambassadors for it and make sure it grows. Well, that was you guys. I mean, yeah, that was was where, you know, we both came from this sport and we felt like there were stories that needed to be told. Mm -hmm. But what's great now is you see, we were at the final four, and all of these pros had vlog cameras, they mm-hmm. had filmers with them, and that's what it's going to take if ESPN's not going to give you the airtime. 100%. And right? that started with you guys, and then it was Paul, um, and then like everybody has kind of followed, everybody that's serious about continuing down this path has followed suit, right? You have to. So what advice would you give now to some of these rookies who are coming fresh out of college, and maybe what advice would you give to them while they're still in college? Yeah, well, I think some of them have done a nice job, right? Like, we, we've been in this long enough, everybody sitting here, that, like, we've gotten to watch a, um, here's a good example. Uh, Lyle was great in college about, like, leaking pictures a couple days, mm-hmm. a couple times a week of him playing and just kind of giving you a glimpse in, um, a glimpse into what his college life's like. Trevor Baptiste was great at that as well as, like, slowly starting to build it while in college, giving kids access to what he's doing. Uh, so when you get out, you've already created this following, right? Because you've been a successful player, you've done your job on the field, but now, as you transition to the professional world, like, you have to just, it has to turn up a notch, right? You'd, you have to get a camera, or learn to edit, or build a team, like you've said. Um, but as far as building your brand and giving, giving people access, like, you have to. Like, that's all we can, I, I'm interested, generally, in what a lot of these guys do. Like, I'm, I'm a lacrosse fan, like, that's fast forward or rewind 20 years like I started out as a fan so I'm still a fan of all these guys and I want to like we were just talking about Rob and how in shape he is I want to see what the hell's going on in New York and why he why he looks like that yeah, like, everyone what, wants what, to know right, how what, Rob are they, what are they doing back there you know um 
you know, Paul, I think is another one that obviously he's the biggest and creates the most content, but it's interesting. Like you want, you want to see what he's up to. You want to see which projects he's working on, um, what he's doing training wise, you know, as a guy that continues to, uh, I'm getting older. So I'm always interested in recovery and all those things. So I think for a younger player that's just coming out of college, just be confident, be authentic and give people access. I think the interesting thing about our sport and probably a lot of other niche sports is that you absolutely have to be an entrepreneur almost more so than you are an athlete or maybe on the same side. Because if you look at like, you look at yourself, Mm -hmm. Rob Pinnell, Mm -hmm. Paul, all of these guys who have really made a career for themselves and are pushing the sport forward, they have been phenomenal entrepreneurs. And that's also a skill set now that coming out of college, you can't just be good and you can't just be good. And then also good at like making content. It's not, nothing's going to be handed to you. There's this whole world that has to be navigated once you get out of college. Yeah. What, like what has that experience been like for you? Because you have been from the moment you graduated an entrepreneur a lot like all these other guys. Yeah, no, you you hit the nail on the head. I think it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, you guys might know more than I do in terms of the other kind of niche sports and if it's comparable, but within lacrosse, like the entrepreneur side as a pro, you know, I don't know if it's comparable to anything else and that like the playing part is like the easy part. Like we've been all playing our whole lives, right? So you're going to figure that part out. It's everything else. To make sure you can continue playing, right? Because if you don't figure everything else out over here, you're not going to continue playing. You're, you just can't do it, right? Like it, you're, everything's going to suffer. You're not going to be able to train. You're not going to be able to be focused on your game. So the entrepreneur side, man, I think within lacrosse, like you just have to find ways to make it happen. When I got when I graduated, I was lucky in the partners I aligned myself with from the beginning. You know, my main sponsor, STX, I've been with them almost 15 years now. And that's the relationship there has really enabled me to branch out and find new relationships and build my brand and work together to grow together organically, uh, which has been good. And I was really lucky. I know not everybody gets that from the beginning, Um, but it's tough, man. I think that's why you see so many guys that come out of college, high level first team all Americans stop playing after three years because it's, it's a grind. Like you have to figure out ways to make it all work. And if you're lucky, you find partners that all kind of seamlessly work together and everybody grows together. And, you know, when you do a shoot over here, you're able to represent these brands too. So they're happy. And so everything rises together um, and you build these long-term partnerships, but it's not easy. It's for sure. So we, we had just talked about, you know, rookies and, and college kids. One, one thing I wanted to bring up, you know, arguably one of the best players in college lacrosse right now is someone named Tahoga Nanticoke. Mm. He mm-hmm. has 33,000 followers on Instagram already as a sophomore in college. So you think about another three years in college mm-hmm. could come out 100, 200,000 followers, Easily. right? Mm-hmm. He, he could, and immediately you graduate college and you have a brand. Mm-hmm. I think that's fascinating. I mean, obviously in football, this is happening on a, on a mass scale, basketball. right? Like basketball, mm-hmm. this is happening on a mass, mass scale. That's a really different beast than, you know, when you were in college where, yes, we all watched you on ESPN. Sure. You had a brand. Sure. And one thing that's really interesting to me is that a lot of the distribution, in my opinion, of how your brand built over time was through equipment because mm-hmm. if you played lacrosse, tons of kids on the field were right. wearing K-18 equipment lines. Right. Both Colin and I wore K-18 equipment. I don't remember that many other pro signature equipment lines. No. So at that time, it was Mike Powell had one, and then I had one, and then Paul had one. So those of Yep. And then Gary, obviously, Gary Gate was mixed in there as well uh, at STX, but there weren't, no, there weren't many. So something about the marketing of the K-18 line though or something because it was you know for for us at STX man 
I was lucky in that I came out at a time that they were willing to like take a risk. Like, let's try this thing, right? Like we, we saw obviously what happened uh, with the Jordan brand in basketball and you look at all the different athletes and other brands that had their own equipment line or own shoe or own whatever it was. Um, and when I came out, you know, I remember that first meeting. So we had a, we had a line that was halfway done, like equipment line for the next year was halfway done. Um, and they were like, well, what should we do with it? Branding wise, like what should we call it? And then I graduated, they signed me, and we started down the process of, should we create a brand and a line around me? And we called it 18K originally, mm. uh, and we were gonna make it like all gold and go that direction, do some white gold. Um, and so after a while, like, you know, going back and forth, we had finally landed on K18, but that's why that first line, I don't know if you remember, like the main one that we released was white and gold because mm. we were planning on calling it 18K originally. Um, and so, you know, I, I think they were willing to take a risk. And that, that's why it worked for me at the beginning. I mean, if, if that, you know, in retrospect, if we didn't do that, I don't know kind of like what you just said. I'm not sure my brand would have started to grow the way it did at that point because I think it had a lot to do because there was no social media at the time, right? Mm -hmm. So it had a lot to do with the fact that a lot of kids on the field were wearing K-18 equipment. And then secondly, I was on a different field every day all over the country, like promoting it. So I was somewhere different every single day trying to promote and push that line. And so between them creating the brand and me being on the field, I think that's why it took off the way it did because social media wasn't there at the time. That's something too that still today is very has a huge impact on new players, the amount that you're actually traveling the country mm -hmm. going to clinics. Yeah. You're right. You were everywhere. 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 There's something that Will Smith says in one of his vlogs. I think it's Arnold who gives him this advice, right? He yeah. says, if you want to be... Will Smith said, I want to be the biggest movie star in the world. And uh, basically, Arnold said something along the lines of like, you're not going to do that sitting in Los Angeles. You have to travel the world. You have to see the. You have to go to the people mm -hmm. in every country. And so I love you, it. you see Will Smith like, and he, he opens up this vlog in Mumbai, in India, yep. and he's talking about it. And he's, you know, Will Smith's what in his fifties? He's that old. He's got to be late forties or, <sighs> or early fifties. Time flies. And he's just traveling the country, vlogging. Yep. I mean, it's amazing, yep. right? And so it totally is. Like, if you're brand and I, I talked to um you know the people that that my family works with in clothing a lot mm -hmm. of different brands a lot of times i say like yes it's going to be really competitive right now in social media right but one place where you could dominate is visiting every single retailer that you're in right, right? right. stand there yep. tell your story yep. physically and i think it gets really overwhelming again just just to circle back there the you know number one player in calls across he's going to have a hundred thousand followers when he gets out mm -hmm. now if you're the number 10 guy and you only have a thousand when you come out mm -hmm. what could you do Go to the people. Yeah, right? absolutely. 100%. Physically, there's, there, it, that didn't go away. Right. That's still, still a, thing. a massive part of brand building. 100%. So I think that's a really important thing. And like it, you see Will Smith doing it, like yep. you, you should be doing it too. Yeah. Like 100%. If you're, if, you're trying, so if you're someone who's listening who's trying to build a brand digitally, um, think about how do I build my brand physically? Because 100%. the 10 people you interact with physically are going to become really connected to you and be able to push your brand digitally. 100%. It's an experience, too, that pays you back in such a different way. I mean, for three years, Samir and I made a video every Monday on the Lacrosse Network, talking the Weekly Watch, talking mm -hmm. about what was happening in the sport. But the four or five times a year, we got to go out to the Lacrosse Convention or to the Final Four mm -hmm. and actually meet people yeah. and get involved in the community that way. So much more. It's such a different experience, right? Like you guys are the Beatles walking around, walking around the convention, and walking around the Final Four. I like hundreds, to, uh, hundreds of people following behind you. Well, I appreciate that. I usually like to say Bieber, but. Um, no, yeah, I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciate that. Close. But no, I mean, 
you know, and it's fun when we get to go out to those events and really like meet all these people. And a lot of times they'll bring up, oh, I watched this video. I was the guy who commented this or that. And it's just a, it's a totally different experience that really pays you back. Agreed. So outside of being a professional athlete, you know, over the years, you've also entered into multiple different ventures, right? Sure. You're, you, you invest in companies. Mm-hmm. Um, you've done a lot and I want to get into that. Mm-hmm. But you also now have a family. And I'm just curious, you know, what we're talking about, traveling, going to going to the people. You're in L.A. here for, mm-hmm. for a camp or for a clinic. How do you balance that? Like, how, you know, with yeah. all the things you have to do to build your brand, yeah. um, especially without a big team around you, how do you, how yeah, do you balance no, that? It's a good question, man. And I think ultimately it's probably the thing that would slow, like in niche sports, not, not in NBA, NFL, you know, MLB, all those, the, the big five. But in niche sports, it's probably the thing that slows people down because I, every time I leave, it sucks, right? Every time I wake up at 5 a.m. and leave before my kids get up. And so they wake up and I'm not there. Like, that sucks. And you think about that. And I think um, I'm lucky in that most things I do, I can bring my family. Um, and, and I'm able to, uh, you know, if it's going to be a long trip, I always bring them. Um, but it's a, hard, it's a hard balance. Like, it, you know, the reality is, like, you, you miss out on stuff. You don't, I've been lucky in that I got to see them both walk for the first time, um, both say their first word, like all those milestones that you want to be around for. But, you know, when I get a call, I mean, what is it, Tuesday, I'll get a call from my wife in an hour and they'll be at the pool hanging out and, and I'm missing that. And so I think um, it's, it's, it's balancing it out. It's bringing them with you when you can. And, uh, and knowing that, that unfortunately, this is, this is the direction I chose. And, and I, but at the same time, my wife says this all the time, when I start complaining and feeling sorry for myself, she right. always brings it back in a perspective like, wait, like you could be sitting in an office from 8 a.m. to 6 sure. p.m. missing everything. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, we could complain about that. And so think about the days that like, yes, you're on the road a, a good amount, but think about the days you're not. You're here all day with your kids, with me. Like, so she does a great job of, of bringing me back to earth and making sure I understand that like there's, there's arguments both ways. And I'm lucky. I'm not complaining. I'm lucky. Very lucky. It's good perspective, and it's it's good to hear. I mean, we, we just had recently had had someone on the podcast named Cody Warner, who's mm-hmm. a daily vlogger, mm-hmm. produces a video every single day. The guy sleeps at midnight and wakes up at three a.m. to edit. He's got two kids and a wife at home, and he edits from he sleeps for three hours a night. He edits from three to about seven when his kids wake up. It's it's so like the sacrifices I'm, I'm always interested to hear when as you get older and as you continue to build your brand and yeah. the space gets more and more competitive yep. you have to create more you have to be on for more hours yeah. when you have a family you obviously want to give more hours to your family yeah. so I'm, I'm always interested to hear where the trade-off and, happens yeah, and you find ways to involve them right like sure. I've, I involve them on my social channels more than I ever have just because at this point like <laughs> I'm like if I'm around them I'm they're going to be involved in what I'm doing kind of what we talked about earlier like I want it to be authentic and I want it to be natural and uh, I don't want it to be forced. And if I'm, it's Tuesday and I'm at the pool with my damn kids, then they're gonna they're gonna be on there. You know, yeah. I, I, I want to make sure they're involved. So yeah. All right, I'm gonna shift gears. Shift them. What's the best account you follow on social media? Will like, Smith. Will Smith is number one. Number Absolutely. One. Okay, that's that's pretty good. I mean, I would say he's he's pretty up there. Another question for you: What's the best piece of sports content you've ever seen? Whether it's like a documentary or an Instagram, what's all time? That was that was tough. Like, was there one when you were a kid that just inspired you? Yes, like, absolutely. Learning to fly. Learning to fly. Learning to fly. Look at it. It's it's the Chicago Bulls' first title run with Jordan. Wow. Incredible. So it takes you through, like, them getting beat by the Pistons for those few years mm-hmm. and, like, how they had to overcome it, then who got who they brought to the team, and then eventually Michael becoming Michael, uh, and them, them beating the Lakers. Yeah, learning to fly, without a doubt. You love Michael Jordan. With all of my heart. Every Monday you post on Instagram, 
hashtag MJ Mondays, so you know what I, right? You know what happened there? I did. I did, Colin. What but you did for a long posted, period of time. It was like a couple years of doing that. Mm-hmm. And so not only did I start running out of pictures, um, but I felt like it was time to give it a rest for a second. Like so it was I a lot. It, I moved it from my actual page to my story. Um, and then from my story, off. <laughs> what, what is it about Michael Jordan for you? Uh, so, again, it was that Learning to Fly DVD or VHS, I guess, at the time um, that like drew me into him. And then I thought there was something just, he said something, and I've said it to my teammates um, in Ohio for a few years. So he said something to me that resonated with me so much uh, in an interview when I was younger. They were talking to him, and they were just saying, like, you play every game. Like, and now, nowadays it's different, right? We got, we got NBA guys sitting out games uh, from just being tired and needing a night off, whereas those guys played through literally everything. They played through any and everything, any injury that they could walk they were playing. Um, and so Michael, they interviewed him. And they're like, what do you, how do you do this every night? Like how, every night, how do you do something we've never seen someone do before? Um, how do you pull your, when you're sick, how do you pull yourself up off the ground? How do you do this every night? And it was like, well, every stadium I go into, um, there's some kid, some dad, some mom, some grandparent sitting somewhere that has never seen me play before and doesn't think I'm that good. And so every <laughs> night I play to show that person that like, I am as good as advertised. Like, so every single night, I don't care how bad I feel. I'm going to put on a show every night. I step out here because there's somebody here that doesn't believe that I can do it. And so from there, I was like, yo, I am in. <laughs> like I, I, I just became obsessed. Uh, and that's why I remember from the time I was eight years old, just posters everywhere. I watch everything he's ever done. And uh, that just, that line for me was just, it, it, it resonated. It made so much sense. I love that. We, we always say a lot of the times, like you're only as good as your last video oh, yeah. that you put out or like mm-hmm. your last piece of work. So mm-hmm. I, I really resonate with that. Is that a mentality you take when you play as well? I try. Try. You know, I try. Yeah. Lacrosse is such an interesting sport and in that at the pro level, it's all, uh, I do like how it's very role player related. Like I think, and the, if you watch the, the world, it was, I think our sport at the pro level at the at the highest operating group I've seen. Like, everybody just loved their role, right? You got Paul, you know, one of the best Dodgers, best, best players of all time. Um, Schreiber, you know, obviously the best player in the world right now. You have all these guys that were willing to, like, shift into these roles for the tournament. And all of a sudden, like, Ryan Brown's the best shooter in the world. So you could tell that, like, everybody's job on offense was, like, find him. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care how good you are or how good you were in college, or how good you're playing this summer back home and pro, whatever it is. Find that dude. And so watching all these guys operate on such a high level, but within a role, mm-hmm. was really cool to see. And so for me, I, I love that part about lacrosse. And, and again, the Michael Jordan comment about doing stuff for people that don't believe you can do it. I think at the pro level, it's more about like, let's find your role within this group and do that as best you can. Okay, I've got one more Michael Jordan related question for you. Please. And it's because I've been hearing it a lot lately. I was listening to Bill Simmons' oh, podcast know, this morning. I know where this you know where it's going. I know where it's going, sure. Greatest of all time, LeBron. Jordan. So I'm not willing to engage in that discussion until LeBron's done. Okay. Um, but I just think they both do things differently, right? Like I, I can't, I can't have a meaningful discussion about it until LeBron's, LeBron's done with it. But they're, they're different. Well, they're different. you know, after LeBron opened up the I Promise School, a lot of people were chiming in on Twitter saying, yeah. it was an incredible thing that he did. Yeah. Um, saying that you know this whole like more than an athlete campaign, yeah, everything absolutely. that 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 kind of adds to his greatness. Sure. Um, how do you look at that more than an athlete campaign? How has it affected you being a professional well, athlete? What's inspired you to speak out, right? Like, I think it's always, it's, it's uncomfortable. Like, whatever, whatever opinion you have on social issues, someone is going to disagree with it. Like, one, one, one person 
some group that supports you is going to disagree with what you're saying. So that's always the fear of starting that discussion. Um, and so for me, honestly, uh, for the past nine to 12 months, I guess, I, I've been relatively outspoken about all the different race issues in our sport. And that was really, honestly, motivated and inspired by watching LeBron and everything they're doing. Because for me, as a black lacrosse player, like that, that's watching all of these things happen, I'm not necessarily, in the past at least, I wasn't necessarily comfortable like starting that conversation because I know what that leads to. That leads to like a long conversation, a divide, you know, one group, you know, thinking this, one group thinking that. Um, but for me, watching all those things happen and then watching these guys stand up to different things that happen with the world socially, it, it inspired me to be like, you know what, I, I, as one of the most visible African-American lacrosse players, I, ha I have to say something, especially because I, I feel a certain type of way. I got kids now, like I got to set the right example. So those guys have inspired me to certainly speak up, without a doubt. Yeah, so what, what's your take, I guess, on, you know, I, I guess there's not, probably not a ton of athletes yet who are, but like it is moving in that direction. I think LeBron is probably paving the way, at least in the in the public eye, mm -hmm. um, you know, being able to build a platform. I think it's just been a, a, a an interesting thing to watch and witness. Mm -hmm. I think if you have a platform, like use it however you want. Yeah. hundred mm percent. -hmm. I think that's like, if you have a platform, people are interested in you and your opinions. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're a basketball player sure. or if you're a public speaker, like use it how you want that. You built your platform. That's what a platform that's, is. That's why you built it. Right? That's yeah. what a platform is. 100%. So I, I, I love watching you open up more. You know, I, I mean, we've known each other now for six, seven years. So over time, you know, first within our vlogs mm -hmm. and now just on your own personal brand, I yep. think like, I, I think going deeper into that. And I think even for me, like it's been not a super comfortable experience mm -hmm. to, you know, just decide to open up personally about my opinions. A recent experience I had was I was in a, a Bonobos commercial that was about masculinity. And it was like an incredibly inclusive commercial. Mm -hmm. It was said, you know, it was like uh, evolved the definition of masculinity to be more inclusive. Mm -hmm. and the amount of hatred and pushback on that advertisement was insane. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I did not expect it because I, li I live here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Everyone I hang out with is yeah, pretty involved. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, sure. Accepting. So uh, the interesting thing was initially I kind of had this feeling of like, oh man, like, my face is on this ad. Mm -hmm. There's 9 million views on it. There's 40,000 dislikes, you know, <laughs> to like 15 likes, yeah. uh, 15,000 likes. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this is right. And I got a little shaken up by it. And then after a couple hours went by, I was like, wait a second. I'm, I'd like to stand for this. Mm -hmm. And as you know, our platform builds, I'd like to be more vocal about the stuff I stand for. Absolutely. And I think I've been tentative in the past, but I love seeing it's, it's inspirational for us too, to watch guys like you I appreciate that. Um, speak out yeah. and just be like, Hey, this is what I stand for. This yeah. is what I'm about. I don't, it's not a big deal. If 200 of you decide to unfollow me, right? Whatever. This okay. is what I stand for. Right. Absolutely. Colin said something to me recently that just like, if you're going to have an opinion, then people are going to, you know, disagree and agree with you. It's just, yeah. there's going to be both it sides. It was absolutely. about the Casey Neistat, Logan Paul interview, which was like super polarizing on YouTube. People were like, why would you even interview this guy, Casey? Um, and so, yeah, I think it's like you, you just, as you create content, as you build a platform, this is a long winded way of just saying like, it's inspirational to watch you grow into that role. I appreciate that. And I agree that I also have been really influenced by you and that, and a lot of the guys in, in the sport. Um, but the point I was making to Samira was that I think actually being decisive and putting your opinions out there is a good choice for your content because sure, it'll drive some people away. Mm -hmm. 
but those people that weren't driven away will probably be probably become closer to mm-hmm. you right even more invested Absolutely. even more invested 100 yeah, yeah. so i think it's like it's actually a good content decision yeah um you end up bringing this sort of tribe of like-minded people together um and if and if it's someone maybe who was in the middle, they get to learn from someone that they admire and like. 100%. Right? Yeah. I also wanted to talk about um, some of your recent community involvement mm-hmm. in Baltimore. You moved mm-hmm. back to Baltimore. You are, sure. are now involved with Charm City. Yeah. Tell us about that. And, and Yeah. So, no, no. So, I've been on the board of Charm City for three or four years. Um, what is Charm City? So, Just Charm explain. City is a youth lacrosse organization in, in Baltimore City charged with serving, you know, kids all over Baltimore uh, with lacrosse. And, and obviously, you know, as we grow as a, an organization, there's mentoring, there's, you know, after school programs, there, there's a bunch of different things. And, and now we're actually moving towards a few elite teams. Like we have a really good U15 team um, that we're excited about. But it's been fun for me to reconnect with with Maryland lacrosse. You know, it's not just Baltimore. It's everywhere in Maryland. Um, but Charm City is, uh, you know, it's it's a cool opportunity for me because my dad my dad's on the board, so it's an opportunity to like interact with my dad on a lacrosse field, which we haven't done in forever. You know, like from from, from the time I was a kid. So that's been fun, and um, and just help. I mean, look, I'm from Baltimore. I, I'm I played lacrosse in Baltimore growing up, so being able to go back and and reconnect with those kids has been fun. So uh, tell me about the kids. Where do they come from? Everywhere. They come from all over Baltimore City, obviously, specifically. Um, But but they come from everywhere. And I I think, uh, you know, we've been fortunate that, you know, Nations United, which is like the elite um, group of, of different minority lacrosse players from all over the country, uh, worked with us a few times this summer. So it's really fun for, you know, obviously we have some beginner level kids that are just getting into lacrosse. Then we have up to that U15 group that's, that's played for a while and they're really experienced and extremely talented. But it's great to be able to show beginners, um, players that look like them, uh, that are elite, right? Like I think often when we talk about growing the game all over the country, especially within the minority community, it's always about like, we got to get sticks in kids' hands. We got to teach them how to play, which is 100% accurate and true. But at the same time, it's important to show them somebody that looks like them that's elite as well, that's not a beginner. Like you need to see a guy that looks like you that might go to Syracuse or might go to Maryland or Hopkins, whatever it is. And so being having the Nations United kids around some of the younger Charm City kids has been really cool. Mm, that's that's really awesome. Yeah, I, it's cool. I, I uh, connect with that uh, on a little bit of a different level, but I get really excited Um you know, but actually in lacrosse too, I get a lot of messages from mm-hmm. Indian and Middle Eastern guys. Awesome. And they just are stoked to see yeah. me involved in the sport, right? Yeah. And being like a face of yep. the sport. 100%. But I, we also get that just from our YouTube channel and, and um, Everybody. just creating content. Just p- kids sitting in India, New yep. Delhi, Mumbai, yep. India, um, or a small town who submit videos to us and yeah. say what's up and just yeah. say it's awesome to watch. Yeah. For me, I like, you know, I think it's amazing and, and like, it was so important when I was growing up, there wasn't very many uh, people who looked like me in entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I and yeah. that that was kind of interesting. Today, yeah. there's a lot. Tons, so yeah. many that I take photos of some of them sure. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people come up running up to me and are like, oh my God, Hassan Minaj. <laughs> this is a real thing that happened that was yeah. captured on camera. Sure. I don't ever turn it down. No, why I'm would like, you? I'm hey, like, hey, hey, let's yeah. take a selfie. Mm-hmm. Take a selfie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then oh. they go home they go home and show their friends yeah, and they're like, like that's, wait a second that's, that's not him, not him. No. that guy is significantly shorter yeah. than what yeah. he looks like but i i think what you're doing like to to move back to baltimore yeah. and get involved in that scene and just create a situation where you know did, were, were there people that you looked up to that looked like you when you were growing so up? I, I made this point a few times recently because i've just been in a lot of these race discussions and i think it's so interesting and it's probably why i um 
it took me so long to arrive where I have, but like because my father played lacrosse, I assumed black people played lacrosse, right? So it was never a situation like me where I got to a field and I felt, and I hope it's how my nephew feels, but it was never a situation for me where like I felt uh, like I was the only one or I wasn't empowered or I wasn't confident, uh, which is a lot of things I hear from minority players when they talk about like being the only one in the field. I was certainly more often than not the only pair of brown legs on the field, but I never felt like that. And I think it had a lot to do with my dad playing. I just assumed like, Black folks played. And so I think now that I'm realizing, like I, I talked to Javon Miller a lot, Chaz Woodson, all these other um, African-American players and hearing their experience and hearing, you know, how they felt being the only black player on the field and even some of the nation's kids and, and some of the Charm City kids. Um, it took me a while to understand that because I did not feel it. And so I think, you know, an important point I'd want to make is that it's within the lacrosse world, at least specifically, I feel like when a nation's United team shows up, or a, uh, and the Nation United team, by the way, has, has all colors, right? They're white, brown, black, purple, yellow. Every, every nationality is on this team. It's, it's not a black team by any means. But I do want to make the point because I've heard, I've seen comments and I've heard people uh, argue against this. So when there is a team of minority players, like a Nations United or a Charm City or a Denver City Lacks, whatever, whatever it is that have a majority of minority players, um, it, it's not wrong for them to want to be on a group that a bunch of people look like them, right? They've all been used to being the only black kid, brown kid, purple kid, whatever it is, on a team. And so to, to be on a group that, that oh, wow, like a bunch of people that have experienced the same thing I'm going through, like that that's not supposed to be divisive. And I feel like some folks within the lacrosse world, the comments I've seen, like take that as divisive. Um, and that's not what that's supposed to be. That's just, that's wanting to feel yeah. comfortable, wanting to feel included for once. That, that's all. And, and I think, uh, you know, Chaz and I started a team back in 2013 where we got all of the professional black players together just to play one weekend. That was it. Just one weekend. We scrimmaged Brown. And I think we scrimmaged the English national team. And that was it. Just we were like, yo, I, I just want to be on a team with some folks uh, that have experienced the same thing I have. And that was it. Bottom line. And it, it was met with like a lot of like that just – draws a line in the sand of like you all over here us over there and it just really was it was honestly supposed to do the exact opposite of that and so i just wanted to make that point sorry for a long-winded way of saying it no it's interesting that you say that i mean i look back at like my experience of playing lacrosse growing up in a predominantly white suburb of mm -hmm. new jersey the mm -hmm. northeast where the sport yep. uh, is like obviously pretty healthy on the mm -hmm. east coast my experience was only just fitting in right like right. i didn't even know anything right. other than mm -hmm. being on a team of people who had had similar experiences right. to me in every sport right. in that part of the country right. um it, it's interesting i feel like lacrosse does have a ways to go you, you there have been incidents over the past year mm -hmm. or two years where it feels like there is some ignorance yeah uh more so in this sport than maybe some other sports right um but at the same time, I think because this sport has really flourished and come to life under this age of social media, mm -hmm. we're also seeing a lot of different new personalities that are able to mm -hmm. have a platform and take stands and make some movement here. Absolutely. No, no. You know, I always know, like, even when Samir and I were growing in the sport, we're a, like, culturally diverse duo mm -hmm. that Perfect. we're not, like, we're not we're even look like jocks, really. Right. You know what I mean? Like, traditional nope. lacrosse yep. players, maybe. Well, Samir's Samir pointing himself yeah. as he used to. I never did. I don't remember him looking like I don't remember it either. No. We'll have to look uh, back at the tape. Yeah, yeah. We'll look at the um, film. But I remember being proud to be part of a group that represents Absolutely. something a little bit different Absolutely. in the sport. And I think because, like I said, the sport has really flourished under the social media age, yep. we now are able to 
have these discussions yep. and move forward hopefully a little bit quicker than yeah. other segments. Yeah, you're right. I think the discussions are important, right? Like there's, there's been summits, there's U.S. lacrosse meetings, like every, everybody's talking about it now, which is a positive thing. All right, Kyle, shifting gears one more time. Shift them. You're a big music guy. What's the, uh, what's the hot track right now for you? So I think you're like three, my daughter's three, you're three years late. So I used to be a big music guy. I now know nothing. I get my music from, from Andrew or, or somebody else. I don't, I don't really know new stuff. So you're stuff. not listening to music? I'm listening to, I listen to a lot of James Arthur radio, which is just all songs that like are in the James Arthur genre of music. Biggie. Shift gears to fashion. Okay, yeah, maybe we'll shift gears Okay, you again. don't want to do music. <laughs> no, I'm not anymore. Well, you know, <laughs> what, you know who I'm actually start turning right. to a fan of? Because hey, my roommate is Cardi B. Sure. Tom Schreiber yeah. listens to Cardi B nonstop, yeah. and so I now I'm, I've started listening to her because I'm roommates with him. I like Cardi B. Yeah, it's fine. Part of me feels like she's a little bit of like Nicki Minaj inspired. Sure. And sometimes I can't tell the difference when I'm listening. Sure. But her beats are better. Like, oh, I didn't. She has better beats. I didn't know you were you were a guy that knows beats all that well. I'm just an observer of culture, and oh. I enjoy uh, music. I take a lot of fitness classes, so music is a huge oh, part of in it. Your, in your spin class. Which, by the way, this is... <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm a big fitness guy. Sure. Uh, but <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Here we go. But, I just, okay, I, I'm going to I'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent. Well, hold on. Can, yeah. I, just, can I defend myself for two seconds Please. with the music thing? It'll only take me ten, 15 seconds. So, Hit me. understand, I'm more often than not in a car with a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Sure. So, like, the rap thing is not an option. Uh, usually... One-year-old's watching Mickey Mouse. She's watching her iPad. So, like, music, I don't listen. And then when I'm on the road, like, I don't want to hear anything because I've been pre-game. You're not Mouse. listening to anything. No headphones. Marcus Holman has a music. Blo- no, I don't. I watch. You, you used know, to be a big headphones you want, you want guy. One of the most interesting. I don't, actually don't share this with anyone. You guys want to hear yeah. something interesting? Yeah. This is good. So, I, my thing that I watch pre-game, I don't listen to music. I am inspired by watching people try out for music shows. X Factor. Uh, all of those shows. I love it. And I'm going to tell, tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. I can, I can explain it. I love, like as an athlete, you chase moments, right? Like you're looking for your chance to score a game-winning goal or hit a fadeaway jumper at that buzz, like whatever. We chase these moments, right? So for those people, that's 30 seconds that they get to try out, like sing their song in front of Simon Cowell, whoever it is. Like all emotion, everything they've led up is like pouring into that 30 seconds. Like they have to hit a home run or they don't. And that's going to either make or break their life. And so I watch like the top 10 auditions because they're so like emotional and charged and like this person's life, like their life dream is on the line. So I'm obsessed with that. I watch it before every game. That obsessed. is the best podcast exclusive <laughs> we've ever had. hundred yeah. percent. I'm obsessed. I don't listen to music. Yeah. I watch that. Unexpected. I mean, I'm going to give that a shot. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm I'll, a, I'll send you my favorite one. I'll send you my favorite love, ones. I would love nothing more. Like yeah. you're incredible. I would love in our group chat if we could just yep. share. Yeah, I'll, show, best I'll, show, of. I'll send you my favorite ones. So you're a you're a big Netflix guy. We've I am. been we've been stuck in the snow in Baltimore together before where <laughs> you've been diving into Netflix. Yep. Um sure. You bringing that up that uh, made me decide I want to open the door into reality shows. I'm a big reality guy. Do you watch reality TV? I don't. Just th- just those clips. That's all you watch. Just those clips. Interesting. Because uh, the interesting about I don't need to see the whole thing. I want to see that moment. I want to see that. So YouTube exact moment. and you're, you're consuming YouTube then. Yeah, it's all on YouTube. So how much YouTube do you consume? Because you <laughs> I, w- I watch it on the bus over to the game. Yeah. I watch it in my locker before the game. Okay, so if so you're but hour okay, hour and change. Got it. Got it. Netflix. Netflix, Netflix guy? So, what yeah. are you consuming? Like, what are you watching? On Netflix currently? Uh, on the internet. Like, is it... On the outer web. 
Yeah. Uh, so Netflix, Office, Parks and Rec, yeah. that type of stuff. Like okay. I, again, man, you'll see you'll, when you guys transition to the kid thing. Like the the timing to do the sure. things that you used to love, like watching stuff, yeah. is gone. But Office is like for me. That's also what I consume. Like if I'm, it's incredible, I'm constantly consuming the Office. Incredible. I've watched every episode ten Most times, times, but I, sure. it's no problem. I'll, yeah. I'll and New Girl, it. you guys watch New Girl? Uh, yeah. Oh my god, big New Girl guy. Ugh, yeah, incredible. Yeah. We watch yeah. a lot of that. Well, that's uh, probably <laughs> where this uh, sure. podcast comes from. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. This was fun. Well, it's good to have you back in L.A. You used to live here. Yeah. What do you remember about this place? Do you miss it? Every day. You miss it weather, every day? The weather, the people, the energy. Awesome. Every, everybody's trying to do something. Not as much you two. You I, don't we miss still, We still talk. Okay. We still talk. We do talk. We talk. Very often, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, like, which I don't, is, don't which really is miss you, personally. Amazing. So, now you're in Baltimore. You've been, you've been in a couple places. Mm-hmm. Are you... You think you're settled? Like you're in Baltimore yeah, now? Yeah, like so that's, no, so I, I, that's where you we're are. not in Baltimore, really. We're in Severna Park, so it's like 40 minutes outside of Baltimore, okay. which is nice because like I can get to Baltimore if I need something. My parents yeah. are there, STX is there, all that stuff, but I'm far enough away that I'm not like in the middle of it. Um, so yeah, I think, because well, that's where our family is. That's why we moved, all, that's why we moved, to be near family. I don't want to raise my kids without family around. I have one more question, and it might spin us into a longer conversation. I'm excited. Uh, but... I meant to ask this earlier in the podcast, please, and I, I think I've heard you talk about it before. But I'm just in- increasingly more curious. Like you were a big MJ guy, okay? MJ is your guy, right? You loved Michael Jordan. You oh were good God. at basketball. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you play basketball? Why didn't you pursue basketball? Samir, if I had three more inches, I would be playing basketball. I am positive. Of Colin that. is just as good as you, and he's, he's not. way shorter. No, no. So, so people say the same thing about me. No, they never they're have. Like, they're like that they, Rosenblum guy. They never have. You and put three my, more inches no, on him. No, they never said that. They Maybe never said that. 10, 15 more pounds, which is doable. 10, 15? What 10 do you, to 15 more 40? pounds. What do you, yeah. 40? Listen, 155. Okay, so you need after 50 a meal, more pounds. 155. You need legitimately 50 more pounds Kyle? to do anything. I, honestly, I don't even know how you walk down the street at 155 Kyle, pounds. People are saying <laughs> people are saying 10 to 15 more pounds, three more inches, and I could have been a contender. Yo, yo, I could have been in the league. People are saying is getting me because not anyone's saying that. But no, for, for people, me. People, check the comments on the YouTube video. You and I played basketball. Hold on, hold on. So... The, the, my problem, which I've, I've argued this for years now since that YouTube video went live, mm-hmm. is that you edited the video. So you missed 400 shots, but somehow edited the three you made into it like it was a close game. And like there you go. W- That's the power of media, man. <laughs> it's the stories you tell. Oh, I love it. Control your own narrative. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Mine was that I might make it into the league one right, day. Right. I learned that from you. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, basketball for me, I was just, I was too short. I, I was pretty, I was pretty good. Um, but at 6'1", like I, that wasn't happening. I don't shoot it like Steph. I don't, I don't dribble like uh, Chris Paul or any of those guys. So like if, if I was 6'4", 6'5", I would have had a shot. Well, maybe we'll... Uh, Lace up, hit the court. You say lace. That's not a thing. Get some okay. hoops. Play some hoops. <laughs> okay, well, we'll, that, we'll shoot some. Shoot the that's ball. A, that's a comfortable ending to the the podcast. All right, Kyle. It was great talking to you. Thanks for having me, fellas. That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Kyle. If you're interested in hearing more about Kyle and learning about his journey to becoming a professional athlete, check out our friend Paul Rabel's podcast with him. The podcast is called Suiting Up, and it's great all around if you're interested in sports and sports entertainment. If you've been enjoying our podcast, it'd be awesome if you would rate and review the show. It helps new people find our podcast. All right, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.